time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Freshmen, let me hear you. Sophomores, you in the house? Juniors, did you make it? Seniors? Well done, seniors. All right, 1 Corinthians, we'll go there in a minute. We're starting a new series called Misfits. Uh, We're talking about what it means to live set apart, to be what Jesus has called us to be in the world. Father, we love you tonight, and I thank you for my friends here at DSM. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I thank you for even those moments in worship, Lord God, where you're calling us to live different, to be set apart, to be filled with the Holy Spirit completely. So we ask that you would do that in us, God. We ask that the written word would come alive. Living word, would you hit the written word and make it alive in our hearts? Holy Spirit, have your way, we pray. We want the Bible to be our friend. We want the Bible to be something that we love. We want the word of God to be alive inside of our hearts, Jesus. We love you. And everybody said amen. 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 Look at the person next to you and say, you're cool. Now go ahead and I want you just to explain to them what that means. Explain to them what it means to be cool. Yeah. What it is. What does it mean to be cool? Look at them. Explain what it means to be cool. I talk to a lot of young people, and, and it's one of the things that we experience all the time is we kind of experience this, this, this constant statement like, oh, that's, that's, you're cool, that's, that's cool, or you got to do this. Now, the new word for cool is kind of sick, you know, that's kind of the new cool, but there's kind of been this, this, this it's always around us. We kind of live in this feeling all the time, this world where we're trying to fit in, we're trying to... In a sense, the way that we would define it might be to, be to be cool. And you can't really put words to what it means to be cool. I mean, if we really wanted to be specific about it, it means kind of to fit in for other people to think that you're acceptable. And when you hang out with people, a lot of times you talk to them about what it means to be cool or, 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 or how to be cool. The, the crazy thing to me is that you can't really define it. You, it's, it's always changing. I remember when I was a little kid flipping through my parents' pictures of when, you know, they were young and there were these pictures of my parents where they had these black glasses that just looked like the nerdiest glasses I had ever seen. And I couldn't fathom, I couldn't fathom that that was in any way cool because it was just crazy to me. And now, now in our culture, we have people with these black glasses and the darker, you know, the, the blacker, the bigger, the, the more it goes, you know, like real wide right here. Sometimes there's, you know, like little swirlies. And it's kind of like this new thing that we might call cool. I remember the first time I ever saw a dude in girl jeans, I felt sorry for him. <laughs> like, bro, it's like, are those your sisters? You know, like, wh- 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 I mean, I understand that because I used to have to wear my sister's clothes. And that's embarrassing, but... but <laughs> But I mean, I'm a triplet and my mom would want us to match and she would make me wear a shirt that matched my sister's and it was hellacious. It was horrible. It was terrible. I mean, it was God awful. It was whore awful. It was awful. 
And, and so the first time I saw someone wearing, a guy wearing girl jeans, I just felt sorry for him. And then, and then it started to be the thing that everybody kind of started to do. And it was like, oh, now, now you saw this weird thing where people are wearing black glasses and where people are wearing, you know, girl jeans. And I was, I was in uh, Los Angeles a week and a half ago and uh, hanging out with my, my friend Justin. And we were, we, were, we, were, we were down at Hard Rock Cafe and I was people watching. And I was watching all these people in Hollywood try to be cool. And I was, I was just, I was right there. And I was, you know, there's music videos going on from the 80s where people look totally weird and crazy compared to now. And there's this, this, this dynamic that exists that, that it's hard to put words on because, because it's so intangible. In fact, if you're going to even try to define cool, it gets kind of weird because, you're, because I'm going to be not cool by trying to explain cool because I'm not going to do it in a cool way because I can't even explain cool. It's cool, cool is intangible. It's hard to even articulate exactly what we're talking about when we talk about cool. But yet at the same time, when you're around people, there is inside of them this never-ending, almost like a treadmill where they're chasing cool. You know, like I have a treadmill at my house and when you get on a treadmill, it's where you run and you sweat and you work hard and you go nowhere. (laughs) And so you're constantly moving and you're constantly trying and yet you're going nowhere. And if you want to look at people in our culture that are going nowhere, they're on the treadmill of cool where they're constantly trying to get you like me. I want you to like me. Well, I want these people at school in, in this you know, in this age group, my, I want the 10th graders to like me. I want the girls to like me. I want the, the, the athletes to like me. Or, and and, and, and re, they, they live on this constant treadmill where you're, you're chasing after. Really, it's about other people thinking that you're cool. But they're not, the truth is, they're not even really thinking about you. And yet, you're chasing their perspective of you. And it's an undying, painful, miserable, awful way to live. This constant chasing after other people thinking that I'm legit, that I'm acceptable, that I'm, that, I'm, that, I'm, that I'm cool. And the crazy thing about cool is that you'll never really catch cool. It's, it's impossible to catch. Because right now you're trying to catch cool. And so in high school, you know, in high school it means one thing. But when you go to college, it's just another level. And, and you just start doing different things. And I, 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 right now, I mean, I was having a conversation with Damon Bailey today. He's in his 30s. I'm in my 30s. And we were talking about minivans. And Stefan came up, came up and I was like, I'm not feeling cool right now. Because it's just, yeah, because, you know, like, it, it, it never ends. Well, there is no such thing as a cool minivan. I mean, it just, it, it just doesn't work. It's like fried snow. It's like, it's like athletic Texans. They just don't exist. And so, I, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. All right, all right. Any Sooners in the house? Nope, no Sooners. Okay, all right, there we go, a couple. All right, so, that's just kidding. All right, all right, good. Just throwing a little love. And so, each one of us, you and I, we, we tend so much to try, to try to have people accept us. I was talking to some people that were in their 60s recently. 60s. That's like your grandparents' age, right? I was talking to some people that were in their 60s, and they were, and, and, and they were talking about their car and how they liked their new car because their new car, they thought it, young people would think that they were cool. <laughs> Just, I, just, I didn't want to be a jerk, but inside I thought, they're never going to think you're cool. <laughs> I, it, it's just, it, you're chasing something in your 60s. 
It's, it's never going to be a reality. It's a false race. It can't be caught. You never arrive. You never arrive at cool. And yet, and yet how many of us know that you, I'm talking about you, that you spend agony, you've got, you spend time you, inside your heart. There's this longing and this, this, this ache inside of you to chase after cool, to try to arrive, to try to have people maybe feel like you, you fit in. That you're socially okay. That you're acceptable. That their stamp upon you exists. Meanwhile, they're hoping for the same thing from you. And it's a never-ending cycle and it destroys so many people because they're longing for other people's approval and they're living deep down. Some people would call it popularity. Some people would call it just being acceptable. But at the core, it's this miserable way to live because it's not attainable. It's really not possible, even when you look at celebrities, where everybody, in a sense, goes, now that's the essence of cool. And they transition from trying to be cool to trying to have everybody think that they're cool and, in a sense, be worshipped like only God deserves to be worshipped. And when they arrive at that moment, human beings don't work well being worshipped. We were made to worship, not to be worshipped. And their interior heart starts to crumble and they start to do crazy things because they, they have so many fans and then they got to get more fans and they got to keep up and they live even, even in the midst of popularity. You see the chasing of cool wrecking their lives. Doesn't matter where you're at on the treadmill, if you're going slow or you're going fast. If some people think you're acceptable or millions and, and, and you're trying to go from one person thinking that you're acceptable to five or whether it's five million to ten million, it's a death trap. It's a never-ending cycle. It's a rat race. And yet, in, even here within DSM, we have so many people, and you still, especially you know, you know, socially on Wednesday night, you, know, you want to feel acceptable and feel like people like you. I just, I just kind of picture when we look at that in our culture and, and us, and we, then we look at the way that Jesus talked to his disciples and the way that the disciples then talked, you know, to the churches and the way that then, then Paul talks to, to churches. And I, I want to read how Paul talks in, in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to read out the message. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 4, but it says, verse 7, for who do you know that really knows you? knows your heart. And, and even if they did, is there anything they would discover in you that you could take credit for? Isn't everything you have and everything you are sheer gifts from God? So what's the point of all the comparing and competing? You already have all you need. You already have more access to God than you can handle. I just love that. We could just marinate on that for an hour. You already have more access to God. In other words, there's more available to you. It's a treasure chest. It's like drinking out of the ocean with a thimble. I mean, you, 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 you can never fully get all of God. You've got access. You can't even handle all that God's given you. 
You already have more access to God than you can handle without bringing either Apollos or me. That's, so that's famous church leaders. Without bringing Apollos, he was leader of the church and Paul's talking. So Apollos or Paul, you're sitting on top of the world. Well, at least God's world. And we're right there, sitting alongside you, encouraging you. It seems to me that God has put us who bear his message, or that word message could be gospel, his good news, the life of Jesus in us, through us, to the world. It seems to me that the gospel, that, that God has put us who bear his message on stage as a, at, in, in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket. We're, we're, we're something everyone stands around and stares at, like an accident in the street. Here it is. We're the Messiah's misfits. You might be sure of yourselves, but we live in the midst of frailties and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but we're most kicked around. Much of the time we don't have enough to eat. We wear patched and threadbare clothes. We get doors slammed in our faces. We pick up odd jobs, just like you guys. Pick up odd jobs anywhere we can to eke out a living. When they, when they call us names, we say, God bless you. When they spread rumors about us, we put in a good word for them. We're treated like garbage potato peelings from the culture's kitchen. It's not getting any better. But here's Paul talking, and he, when he's giving language of what it means to be a an apostle, a leader in the church, a Christ follower. He says, we are, we're, we're actually like the Messiah's misfits. Interesting thing about this word misfits, this idea of misfits. Misfits are, are people that don't fit in. People, misfits are the ones that when you look at them, they're different. They, everybody else might be doing one thing, but they're doing something else. They just, they, or, or, or maybe they look different. They, they, just, they just don't fit in. And right here, we have this idea coming out in the scriptures where Paul is saying, essentially, we, we don't fit in the culture where everybody is just trying to do the same thing to fit in. And it's funny because, you know, in our culture, youth culture in America, everybody thinks that they're developing cool. They're developing trends. But the reality is, is that you know, if you, if you even look at the media world and you even study the way that, um, the way that, the, the way that uh, television networks work, where they develop a program for children and they will have a whole network and they've got a whole network and they'll have multiple channels. So one, one company will own multiple channels and they will capture the heart of a four or five-year-old with, you know, some little thing on Nick Jr. or something like that. They'll catch it with a cartoon or something like that. And then they'll begin to market the next level. And it's, it might be a, a program. It might even be the next network. And then, and then they'll market to, and so, so they'll to market to the five-year-olds, even like the eight and the nine, ten-year-old age range. And then when they get to be kind of like preteen, they start to market the next age group, which might be like, MTV or something like that, and they'll, they'll, they'll market like that so that they market you to the next thing. And what they're doing is they have a message and they have an agenda. They're wanting to make money from teenagers and they're wanting to sell products and they're, want, and, and, and they're wanting to suck you into their world so that they can make money off of you. 
And so they, uh, so, so if you want to, if you talk to even uh, in, in the whole television network, they will tell you what the future trends are going to be in culture because they're making them. <laughs> because they're working on it. And so we think, oh, oh, you know, this is the new cool thing and this just kind of popped out. No, it's, it's not the way that it works. The way, the way that it works is we do what we see and we're just kind of being herded along. We're just kind of doing what everybody else is doing and the parade of history is just moving us along from one step to the next and we're just doing what people that are trying to make money off of us sitting in an office somewhere are planning. The reality is, is that then it's not necessarily that even cool coming from within young people, it's old people making money off of young people and it's this, we just live content to just to just let that exist and let that be the way that we're going to live. Yet, when we look at even the, the story of Christianity, the essence of what Christ did was to enter into the world and be so different that he changed it. He changed the world. He changed the world that was in. And then when he called disciples to follow him, he called people to be followers of him, they stopped kind of doing everything that they were doing and they developed a whole different worldview. And they were willing to embrace being different because different wasn't for the sake of individuality. Because, hey, I'm me and I just do with my, no. But instead, different was Jesus who was in the business of transforming the world to make it right with God. And so every single one of you, you live in a world where you have different voices coming in and you've got a whole media world that's trying to just herd you along like cattle and get you to buy the products, the very things that, that you think maybe are just coming from culture are actually coming from producers and entertainment gurus that are working on making money off of you and you think it's just cool, but really we're just, we're just giving dollars away to, to them. And, and, and it's a huge process, not just television. The, the whole marketing industry is aimed, that, that's aimed at, at cool with teenagers because they know that teenagers are trying so hard to be cool that they'll spend money. They'll spend whatever they can to kind of get a product, to kind of develop, to, to fit in. And when we read Paul right here, we get this idea that's just coming out, this language of we don't fit in. We're, we're like, it's like we're on a stage and, nobody wants to buy a ticket because what we're doing is so different. We are the Messiahs. Not just we're misfits, but we are the Messiah's misfits. We belong to him, and it's because we belong to him that we are different. We don't fit in. We are unique. And one of the problems that goes on right now with you in your world is you're going how can I fit in and be cool with these people because I so want to feed that longing? And how can I still fit in with God and be okay with God? And I want to try to balance both whoop, whoop, and be cool with them. Cool with God. What's up, G? Cool with my friends. What's up? Yeah, I'll buy this. I'll do that. I'll, you know, what do you want me to do? You know, I'm going to have this, you know, you know I'll, I'll do and whatever it takes to try to fit in and, From the clothes to what we watch to what we do. And yet the whole essence of the gospel, friends. The whole joy 
of following Jesus is that we get to get out of that rat race. That rat race is death. That rat race, chasing cool, chasing what product do I have to purchase? What television program do I have to watch? What do I have to do for you to accept me? How good of an athlete do I have to be? What is it going to take? What do I have to weigh? How does my hair have to look? You know, how, what, what, all that. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things you'll ever experience is the moment that you go, I'm the Messiah's. And because I belong to the Messiah, I don't have to live chasing cool. I have everything I need. Because the Messiah has me. I'm good. The very, I'm telling you, when, it, when, it, when you really don't go, yeah, I, I want a little bit of that and a little bit because I'm going to try to feed both longings. No. Once you kind of go punt on that, accept, receive, sorry, football's in my brain right now. Receive on Jesus, punt on cool. When you get that, I'm the Messiah. It actually, it actually fills your heart and all of a sudden the, 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 the game gets changed. You don't live in the world of trying to be cool. You live in the world of how much of God can I get? And that makes you a misfit. In the world of finance, you're not trying to be rich for the sake of greed. No, you want to try to give as much as possible to change the world to help people all over the planet. When it comes to, when it, when it comes to your time... It's not about just enduring or getting it. No, when it comes to your image, when it comes to everything, you start to change and transform. And you become authentically different. You're a misfit and you don't fit in. But here's the thing. It's not a misfit. And suddenly, oh no, well, I don't fit in. How, how do I try to stop being a misfit so that I can fit in? And what do I need to purchase? Or, you know, what, what do I got to do? What, what, what clothes do I have to wear? What do, how do I fit? Instead, that whole longing goes away. And instead it becomes, I'm the Messiah's. You can hear it in Paul as he talks here. He's not saying we're the Messiah's misfits and, you know, it's just, it's just a miserable existence. He's going, I've already got everything I need. Why would I go back? The truth is, is that your friends, the ones that we're called as a DSM family to reach, they are not going to look at a gospel where you try to get, you know, Jesus to be cool with, and th- and with you and them to be cool with you and you live in the tightrope. Right there. Like me, love me, don't you want to know me? Hey, be my friend, what's up? I will worship you. I will, well, not with everything because I've got to be cool and I've got to still fit in here and so I don't want to be fully yours but I, I want enough to where I, I don't feel like you're going to smite me, you know, and that right there, that, that right there is miserable. But when you give it, okay, I say no to this. I'm after God. I'm telling you, suddenly, suddenly what the world is marketing and peddling does not move your soul. First Peter 2, you become like a, an alien on the, in, a, in, a, in an unknown world. You don't... It doesn't, it doesn't move your heart. I was, I was just recently sitting with a guy who's big into the movie world. And he's kind of, I mean, he works with lots of famous actors and he's just way into that world. And 
we were talking and he was telling me things that, that I think what he wanted me to do was to be like, oh, wow, you're amazing. You're incredible. You know him? No. And he was like, yeah, I'm that so-and-so. And he wanted me to be like, oh, he's so famous. Wow. And yet, and yet we had this awkward conversation because there was nothing inside of me that was like, oh, wow. It just, it didn't move me. It's just like, I didn't care. Because there's something inside that's like, that doesn't, so? And I'm telling you, as you get this, as you, as you go, okay, I'm the Messiah, all the lust of going after the coolest clothes, the coolest people, by whatever that means, that never-ending chase, all that dissipates, goes away, deflates, and you go, I'm the Messiah. I don't need to live in that rat race. Whatever they're peddling doesn't move my heart. The reality is that your friends are not in need of seeing someone who can do a balancing act. Watch me do church. Watch me be cool. Watch me do church. Whoa. Yeah. See me? See me? Look, come to my church because I can enter in your world and that world and I can do so good at both. No. What they're looking for is something that's real. Not a two-faced act. True, I'm the Messiah. This doesn't matter. Well, we might reject you. So? You might reject me? Not, no, please don't reject me. No, 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 no. If If you reject me, then what will I live for? If you reject me, then who will I have? No, if you reject me, I already have everything. I have more access than I can handle. I have more access than I know what to do with. I belong to the God of the ages. I'm okay. I'm one of the Messiah's people. I belong to Yahweh. I'm God's. I'm bought with a price. Jesus knows me and I know him. I'm all right. The very thing we need is not people doing more balancing acts. We need better misfits. We need weirder people. We're not strange enough yet. We're not filled enough with God to where we're actually, they look at you and they go, you don't fit in. What you want is go, yes, I don't. Glory to God. I don't. I mean, and we have them in our midst, and it's possible. I mean, there's some of you in here, you're kind of a misfit, right? All right? Andrew, you're kind of a misfit, right? Football player gets, starts to care about heart work and orphans. No, you're supposed to care about girlfriends and if you're varsity and how many tackles. And you're kind of a misfit. Face a misfit. Face, face up here leading the youth group last week. I'm watching her. She's, she's moving in on my job. She's just pressing. She's calling you to worship. She's calling you to go after God. She's saying this is who we are. She's 15 years old with a microphone in her hand. And she'll sing about Jesus. She'll preach about Jesus. She'll rap about Jesus. She's weird. She's a misfit. And I can guarantee you there's a lot of people that go, she doesn't fit in. And Jesus is gone. Yeah, you might not get the applause of all your buds, but you're getting mine. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that are authentic misfits. They don't need the applause of the age. They've got the applause of the king. That's all that matters. I'm telling you, there's misfits in our midst. There's misfits in this room. I watch it. 
Diego texts me all the time about money he's raising for, for orphans. He's a misfit. He's a weirdo. He's a freak. I love it. There's Andrew. What's up? I'm telling you, we got misfits here. It's happening. But our future, our future compared to our present reality, we, we've only dipped our toe into the water. We're not even close to where God wants to take us. What, what is the thing that God's calling you to be unique like a misfit? You're going to wrap the gospel? You're going to pray, be a part of night and day prayer? You're going to help reach orphans? You're going you're to you're lead people to Jesus on your football team? What are you about? I'm, I'm just asking, like, what you? I'm not talking, Corey. I'm asking you. What are you about? When I was in high school, I, I could say it. I knew what I was about. Right now, I know. I know what I'm about. Stefan knows what he's about. We talked last night on my deck. He said, I'm a holy recruiter. I said, what does that mean? I'm a holy recruiter. I want to recruit young people to go hard after God. He knows what he's about. He could be a lot richer if he was working for somebody else. But he's working for me, poor as a church mouse. Why? Because he knows. And it makes him a misfit. That makes him a misfit. He's dirt poor on earth. But he's got riches in heaven and he's doing his calling and he's a misfit. Some of you are misfits. You're not. You care so desperately about what everybody thinks of you. You're not a misfit. But imagine what happens if hundreds of young people on the north side of Colorado Springs become authentic misfits. We, I mean, we go into our schools and I don't, I'm not saying, I'm, I don't, what, I'm not telling you what to do. Whatever is the thing that God's alive inside of you. He might call you to dig a well in Africa. He might call you to win someone to Christ. He might call you to be the most joyful person on the planet, never frown. I don't know. What is it? But be it. Whatever it is, by all means, be it. Don't let these years go by and you let the parade of history pass you by because you just said, I want to fit in. And let marketers and people profiteering off of you watch you just Buy the products they want you to buy. and Watch the shows they want you to watch. and Try to do the activities. Oh, that's the rat race. That's a death trap. But I'll tell you where life is. I'll tell you where life is. I have more access to God than I know what to do with. I belong to the Messiah. He has transformed me and changed me, and I care about him more than anything else. Doesn't matter what you call me. Doesn't matter if I don't fit in. Doesn't matter if I'm not rich. Doesn't matter if I'm never called cool by you. I'm called son. I'm called daughter. I'm going to rule and reign with him forever and ever, and that's who I am more than trying to live in the rat race of cool. There's faith. I was looking for you right here. You're a misfit. You're a freak. (sighs) I want to be a misfit. I want to live like a misfit on the planet. That's part of your joy. Part of our joy is to be misfits. (laughs) Part of the problem is the church is just not quite weird enough. When church gets weird... People get saved. As long as the church is chasing cool, people are like, forget that, you're no different than me. You want to chase Jesus, not chase cool, come up here with me and let's pray together. If you want to be a Jesus chaser, give everything that you've got.
Father, we come before you. Our temptation is to just buy the products, do what others do. What other people say is the thing, it. Cool. But God, we find our life not from the applause of men, but from the applause of one, the one who made us and knows us, knows the hairs on our head, searched us and knew us we are in our mother's womb, loves us, will take care of us forever, saves us, redeems us. for DSM. Those that are in this room that are misfits at 17, but only God knows what they'll be decades to come. after fashion. like the Messiah in an age gone crazy.
there are some of you tonight that you feel in your heart like you've heard this a thousand times that God can fill you completely that you don't need the applause of friends and you almost think it's a theory because it feels in your heart like that ache just won't die I want to encourage you right now just to look at God say, God, consume me completely. I want to be totally yours. Feel the longing in my soul. God, I ask, Lord Jesus, as we go into a new school year, I ask that you would continue to raise up young leaders that change the world. I lift up all of those that are homeschooled. These are the days that they can go deep in God and read biographies of famous missionaries and fall in love with Jesus worship and pray. God, I lift up those on public campuses that are leading prayer meetings. Pray that you would give them a vision for their campus. God, I lift up those that are becoming misfit-like in the sense that they're caring so much about the poor and the orphans around the world. You're breaking their hearts, Lord God, for what breaks your heart. When they pray, what they see in their head is widows and orphans. Jesus, we just want to be consumed with you and the things you care about. God, we just say, make us misfits. Let us stop caring about the applause of men. to be God chasers, not cool chasers. We are yours. There's such joy. There's such life in you, God. Holy Spirit, touch your people. Touch my friends. Change them. I lift up Dallas to you. Burning in his heart to see miracles and healings. Make him a misfit in our generation, God. Come. Lift up all the worship leaders that are in the room tonight. That you're calling to sit with guitars and just sing love songs to God and worship songs to God. They're misfits because they they don't watch movies at night. They sit with a guitar and a Bible and write songs to God. I lift up the young men that don't fit in because they refuse to have loose lips when they talk about 
sexuality, slander. Instead, they talk righteously. Lift up those men that are in this room tonight. Going to take a stand for righteousness. Oh, God, would you be with them? God, as we prepare to go into the fall, you've called us to be burning and shining lamps. You've called us to be lights on campuses. Oh, God, would you help us? God, in our own strength, we're going to fall so short. But with you and your strength, getting on the moving sidewalk, you doing the work. Oh, God, who knows how fast we can go. Have your way, we pray. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for my friends. I pray that this would be a house of friends. I pray that week after week, this tent would be filled with friends that love each other and beckon each other. God, we don't want this to be a place where it's just the cool place on Wednesday nights. Oh, oh, the agony of that. Oh, the life. Oh, the life of believers gathering together in worship and prayer, studying your word and calling each other to go be lights to a broken world. Now that we, that we can give our lives to, God. We love you. And everybody said amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.